you know, I know you were going to be in Hamilton and then you weren't in Hamilton. Right. And to watch how your guys' relationships, you were going to be the original Aaron Burr and you weren't. And then you ended up pitching a show about being this person who um, yeah. isn't in Hamilton. And I cannot articulate how comforting it has been to both hear about how that pain is because when you're making decisions in real time, it's not clean cut. And then to watch how you all have your relationships have remained, if not grown. Yeah. Um, it's been pretty incredible to, to, um, well, that's what from the outside. Yeah. Well, that's what family is. I'm Lynn and our family, you know, Tommy who directed Hamilton, he's family like David and is my, we, you know, we, we're not like, Hey, uh, come to my premiere. We're like, Hey, can you take care of my dog? Like right. we're family. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. And on this particular episode, which was recorded live at Sundance, thank you, Sundance, I want to um, let you know everyone who is on the live recording because you're going to be hearing from them for the next couple of weeks and also because all of our guests reference each other. So Nisha Ganatra, Desiree Akavan, Lisa Krohn, Utkar Shambudkar, and also actually Reggie Watts. Um, you will get to hear from all of them. And now when they reference each other and they just call each other by their first names, you'll be like, yeah, I already knew. I already knew. I also want to thank my DJ, Jay Period, who filled in because my band, Freestyle Love Supreme, is uh, off-Broadway currently. And while I would never recommend you play the lotto, I am going to recommend you play the lottery and go see them live. They are fantastic. Russ and Daughters, who so kindly and generously flew out food so that I could give gifts to these wonderful guests. Who are these wonderful guests? Well, let me tell you about our first guest today. She is the Golden Globe and Employee of the Month Award winner, the director Nisha Ganatra. She started out doing small indie films like Chutney Popcorn and Junkie Punk Girls and went on to do some pretty well-known TV shows, including The Real World, going all the way to Brooklyn 999 and, of course, Transparent, which we speak about. Nisha was at Sundance because she was premiering her film Late Night, which she did with Mindy Kaling. It stars Mindy Kaling and Emma Thompson. And it was the largest sale at the time at Sundance, which was very, very exciting because people in Hollywood love to talk about how much they care about inclusivity. But to actually put their money where their mouth is, well, that is really exciting. Then you must stick around for Ukarsh Ambudkar, who I adore. He is part of Freestyle Love Supreme, so you can get to see him live as well. He was there premiering the film Britney Runs a Marathon. We got to speak about blind spotting, which was a big hit at Sundance. You can Get it online. It is a must-see. It also features David Diggs, who is an Employee of the Month award winner as well. Ukarsh, you probably recognize from Pitch Perfect and The Mindy Project, but he was also a DJ on MTV for a long time. And I cannot articulate how much I enjoy his work. We spoke about a little bit about his work in theater. He's done quite a bit. But in Hamilton, he turned down the role of Aaron Burr a few times. And we spoke about what it was like to turn that down and then to move on um, because he is still frequent collaborators with all of the people who worked in Hamilton. And he even got to pitch a show, which we didn't talk about. But he did get to pitch a show and sell it um, about what it's like to turn down a role, which happens all the time because you don't know what else is getting picked up at the time. You may be working on all these different kinds of pilots and stuff. But it was just fantastic. So I'm going to stop prattling on so you can hear from these wonderful people. And I do want to thank Dropbox, which presented the show as well. Okay, without further ado, here is Nisha Ganatra. If you catch me at the border, I got visas in my name. If you come around here, I'll make a more day. I got one down in a second if you want. 
Well, I opened the because I I went Let and me saw tell a lady. My childhood photo. Let's go. Do you like that one? <laughs> yes. Good. I'm so glad. I want to start off a little bit backwards with um, popcorn chutney. Um, chutney popcorn. I just completely confounded it. Um, can we play a little snippet? Stop calling it that. Rena's gay, not disabled. What'd you call her? Dyke. Right. Mom, I'm a lesbian. I'm not feral. Can we talk about something else? I'm not a midget and blanks. I know you don't mean to hurt me. How do you know? Sarita, you have a condition in which your body fails to produce viable eggs. It never occurred to me that I couldn't have children. I want to help. There's nothing you can do. There is something I can do. I can have the baby for you. Are she serious? You're talking about Rena. My flaky sister would think she's an artist. Oh, that's sweetie. I mean, she's sort of talented. Hey, Mom. Look. What is this nonsense? Hey, you were just yelling at me about being selfish. What? Yeah, I mean, like, don't drink the last of a soda in the fridge. Replace the ice trays once in a while. Not have a baby for your sister. <laughs> Part of the reason I chose um, that film was because you acted in it, and I was curious, um, did, do you miss acting? I, I am not good at acting. I, <laughs> I made that film, and I, had, um, I was looking for an Indian-American actress. I wrote it for this one actress I had worked with at NYU, and then it turned out her parents wouldn't let her act in it because they wouldn't let her play a lesbian. And so wow. I was looking for an Indian-American actress that didn't have an accent, that would willing to play a lesbian, and there was literally nobody wow. <laughs> so. wow. and then Sakina yeah. and her 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 yes. mom were, were I mean and it's just amazing because you then worked again with Sakina but yes working with a mother-daughter pair were you like gosh I gotta get my mom involved in my um work or no yeah so um my mom actually I thought you know I made this film while I was a student at NYU and I thought okay I'll just my mom will just play the part of mom why wouldn't she do that and then um Sakina Joffrey came to audition and she was, um, she's such an incredible actress. And her mom is Mother Joffrey, who is, you know, you, do you know something I found out from Mother was that she introduced um, Ishmael Merchant to James Ivory. Oh, wow. So because of her, wow. <laughs> Merchant Ivory exists. And she was a, an actress in all of their movies and a huge star in India and England. And then in America, she was sort of most well-known for her cookbooks, which is like yes. what we yes. do to our international stars here. That's right. <laughs> yes. That is. She, um, but she was auditioning because she never got to play in a comedy. And um, my mom was just waiting in the waiting room for me so that I could, I don't know, do something for her, I'm sure. And then she was looking at Mother Joffrey, and Mother Joffrey was sizing up my mom as the competition. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I like that then she got into it, and she's like, no, this job is mine. Yeah, exactly. She's like, this is when nepotism is a good thing, I think, probably in her head. Um, and I was, I was also curious, like, your parents are, are first generation? Yeah, they came, my dad came over from Bombay. My mom came from uh, a really small village in the northern part in Himachal, and um they met in, my mom actually left India because she was running away from an arranged marriage. She didn't want to have an arranged wow. marriage. So she and her best friend became nurses because that was the nursing shortage allowed them to come to Canada, which then allowed them to come to the U.S. And she met my dad and then they got married and then that worked out horribly. But, okay. you know, at least it was her choice. <laughs> yes, at least it was her choice. <laughs> 
as someone who comes from one of those families, I like I like the honesty is what I would say on that part. Um, but I was I think you majored in pre law too. I was going to ask if that comes into handy at all. Uh, right. It was well. It was that thing where you were allowed to become a doctor or a lawyer. I mean, if you're really rebellious, you were going to become a lawyer. But doctor or engineer was the expectation. And so I just I mean I wasn't really pre law. I think I was okay. pretending it was pre law. Yeah. But I was really sneaking into all the film classes and you already knew that. Yeah, I think I, I, you know, it was that thing where I didn't know this career existed. I just, I don't, I think I must have been one of those people that turned on the TV and thought the actors were making up the words. Yes. Cause yes. who knew there were writers and, you know, writers' rooms and producers and directors. I had no idea. I, in part, majorly think it's a generational thing. Like the idea of branding oneself and understanding yeah. that this was a, a career. I mean, I dropped out of my doctorate in clinical psych and started in stand up. And it's like, no one, <laughs> did that. And I'd go on an audition and my dad would be like, does that have health insurance? Like <laughs> there was not an understanding that this is a potential uh, no. career yes. for, for, for a person. Um, but on, you do have the health insurance now. Uh, as long, <laughs> as long as affordable care <laughs> lasts, I will have health insurance. Oh yeah. God. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my mom's still asking me about a 401k and I was like, that just doesn't, there's no, like when I, I when I first got the um I remember I got the Mindy project and it was the first time she was like, Oh, NBC, I understand that. That is a job you have. And she was like, So is that, you know, a permanent position now? And I was like, No, no. Um, that's gonna be this one episode and then I will be trying to get something else for work. And she was like, I don't understand. So is NBC going to give you a four oh one K? And I was like, No, there's no job at NBC. It's just one episode of this show. And then she was like, But the, what's the permanent? And I was like, there's no permanent position. And then she, what? And I was like, oh never mind. Yes, it's a permanent position. <laughs> yes. There is yeah. a point where you just I would just send an article home and be like, this is what I'm doing now. There's no yeah. she just I mean this article about this amazing sale just came out and she I'm like now I think my mom <laughs> So can we talk so we, we will jump ahead to talk about Late Night, which I had the privilege of, of seeing at the, the premiere, and I encourage everyone to go. But it sold for $13 million, yeah. so, which is one of the highest sales um, yes. in history. Phenomenal. That's amazing. So when you suddenly make $13 million, do you get paid like in $2 bills, PayPal? Like, how does it work? This is like the conversation with my mother where I was like, <laughs> I want to know too. Like, you get, you get none of that. You're the filmmaker. Yeah. Like, who gets that? So right. my right. mom was like, you just got, and I was like, I got nothing. Like, yes. but I got this amazing movie that everybody gets to see, and then I get to make another one. And, and the, <laughs> and maybe international sales, does that help? Potentially, or? Um, it all, I mean, really, like, you put your heart and soul into making an indie film. And this one, particularly, because it was female-driven, and it was, you know, our star is a woman over the age of 50. Our other star is a woman of color. Everybody was just saying what a risk it was, and that, you know, there wasn't a lot of potential for it to make a lot of money. So for it e to be the highest sale at Sundance was amazing. Okay, one more round of applause. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Um... I would have been nervous to do a movie about late night in part just because like 30 Rock, because it was such a long yes. running and such a great show. I wouldn't worry about Sunset Strip, but I would have, I would have worried about um, 30. Oh, oh, he doesn't have any, Aaron Sorkin doesn't have any other successes. Oh, it's going to be hard for him to recover from this, I know. Um, but I, I would have been nervous because it was such a phenomenal show and it also went for so long that there's so many storylines that have been 
taken. Did you think at all about, oh my gosh, there's been another late night show? Like how, when you were coming up with the story with Mindy, I know that Mindy wrote the screenplay, yeah. but. Well, it was, I mean, it was this fantasy world of a, of there being a female late night talk show host. And so we sort of, you know, it was thinking about, well, why isn't there one? And it's yeah, why isn't there one? There hasn't, and then, so then there is Samantha B, but it wasn't on a major network, but yeah. you should be the first network. <laughs> That would be amazing. But that's right that there w- there was none. I mean, in the same way when yeah. you people were doing this 2009 2019 like ten year difference with um, an Instagram hashtag, and for female directors it was the same number. Yeah. Um, from 2009 to 2019, and for a long time I was the longest running late night talk show host. But now Emma Thompson has taken my place, <laughs> duly deserved. Um, I wanted to ask two two questions about the film. One thing that I thought you, I mean, there are many things you did really deft, um, but one of them was that you had uh, two white uh, females who didn't get along so well. <laughs> um, and I loved seeing that, that, you know, misogyny is something that we all can possess and, and how does it come out in these subconscious and small and sort of sometimes in, indescribable ways. But yes. you, you really got to the heart of how difficult relationships can be and then simultaneously had this... Um, office romance between Mindy Kaling, who is this young writer. Um, I say young in terms of experience, but also young. Um, uh, with, with Emma Thompson, I was curious uh, how much did personal experience, if at all, play into um, writing those characters, have that kind of office romance? Yes. Well, work I'm, crush, is that the right word? Phrase? The work crush. I think, I mean, that is definitely Mindy's uh, world. And I think if anyone's seen her show, there's definitely like the work romance that she always sort of has something she's trying that never quite works out. Um, And this was, you know, the thing I loved about this movie was it was adults talking about work and it was sort of this homage to hard work and it wasn't um, a girl sort of coming into a thing or a woman saying, oh, when will I meet the guy in my dreams and when will I get married? And I actually, my big note was, you know, do we need that romance? (laughs) Can it just be not a romance? Can it just be all about the work? And, um, you know, it was, it's great because we have Emma Thompson, we have Mindy Kaling, we have um, Amy Ryan, and they're yes. all, and even all the men on the show, Paul Reed, Reed Scott and Paul Walter Hauser. And, and John, John Lithgow. Lithgow. Yeah. Like they all were talking about how to make the show better. So um, nobody was sort of talking about romance and whether their relationships were going to work out or not. It was all about our show is um, suffering and how can we make it better. And that was, that was so refreshing to just... Yeah. Um, tell a story about work and ambition. There was a theme, or I couldn't tell if it was uh, with irony or without, about you know when you work this hard, and I remember seeing my dad go to bed at two in the morning because he was working and that, you know, um, and I have inherited that same uh, ethic, but there was a, a theme that came up in the film about not having children and not having friends yeah. and not having romance. And I thought that that was... Um, Fascinating, and also not your experience, it appears, because you do have have kids. <laughs> yeah, but it's something like you know how in uh, independent or in film they always tell you you can have one of three things, like you can have yes. fast, cheap, or good. Yes. you could have two of them, but you can't have all three. And so I felt like with the, with this, it was like you know, parents. I'm a good parent. I'm a good filmmaker, or I'm a good friend, or like a good friend or partner. You can't like figure out one of them is always sort of suffering if you're doing the other two well. Have you felt that in your own life? Yeah, so I kind of gave up on the um, romantic partner thing, and I was like, I'm going to be a really good mom and a really good filmmaker and a really good daughter right now. And that's like, that's where I was like, okay, that's going to be my focus. 
Yeah, I, I, def- I just don't, there's, I, I think one of the things from interviewing so many people about their careers is figuring out how many balls can one person hold in the air, um, not necessarily, uh, you know, balls for men. Uh, you can have any type of ball that you would like in the air, but... Um, <laughs> But I, it is a key thing to understand that some people can balance more. Some people may have more uh, resources and support. And when yes. I by resources, it can range from having childcare that you know uh, comes from a parent. Something that I needed to reconcile and figure out. This got very personal now. Like to figure out, like, oh, I need childcare and I need yeah. help with that. And that is something that was really hard for me in a weird way. I felt like I should be able to do all of these things all the time, and then it was very exhausting. And I don't know why. I didn't, when we were making late night, Mindy had a three month old. It got pushed originally because she was pregnant. Wow. So we waited and then she, who she delivered in December. We were shooting in March. And then I found out I was pregnant in January. So then I was pregnant while we were shooting and then everyone was just, we couldn't delay again. So it was all these, um, hormones and emotions were running very high. Have, do you feel more comfortable talking about being a parent now? Because I, I know that it can be challenging sometimes, that yeah. the fear of it, uh, for all the wrong reasons, being used against someone. No, I, I mean, I definitely um, do not bring it up when I go on job interviews, right? You don't bring it up. When, because weirdly, when you, if you do bring up that you have a kid, it's, it's this weird bias against you where you, people assume you'd rather be home with your kid than doing the thing you're most passionate about, which is your work. And it is very, it's a strange thing where um, I just sort of found that often the, 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 the bias was, oh, she won't want to travel or she won't want to do this because she doesn't want to be away from the kids. Where sort of my male colleagues who had kids, the, the bias was, oh, they need to do this because they're the breadwinner and right. they need to feed their family. And I was like, well, I actually feed my family as well. Yes. And so everybody kind of... It, it's a weird thing. All the female filmmakers I've talked to with kids, we definitely hide the fact that we have kids when we're up for work. And you have to feed them literally and figuratively, yes. which not all those men do. <laughs> um, I I had read about you know a challenging part in your life around 2011 where you had gone to see a Vedic astrologer. Oh God! And I wanted to know like what is a Vedic astrologer and will that will that ensure that all of us are getting 13 million dollar paychecks? <laughs> A Vedic astrologer is an uh, Indian astrologer, basically, who looks at your horoscope from the uh, with the Indian, you know, astro- astrological symbols and signs and times. And it, yeah, it's so weird that you. I was like, there's this tiny little Indian paper, and I really just was like, oh, I guess no, no one will ever read this. And so I was horrifyingly honest. <laughs> And then it turns out everybody, like, <laughs> everyone globbed on. Well, because affordable care is in limbo and we don't know if it's going to last, it's true. astrology may be a, a more Definitely. affordable form so, of therapy. So in India, when you're born, um, you know, and certainly in my family and almost every Indian kid I know, when you're born, there's an astrologer, like the village astrologer or somebody, they look at the sky, they write down the time, they look at the things and they write the story of your life. And so all of us have this piece of paper that is in a language we can't read that tells the story of your whole life. And um, my mom was always a little superstitious and wouldn't let us have these read out loud to us. She would let us read all the way up to where we were now, but not into the future. <laughs> and so you could just fact check, I guess, but you yeah. couldn't like see what was coming unless you hit a very like, I remember when my parents' um, marriage hit a really hard point. They went to see the Vedic astrologer who read the the thing, and it said in it to my dad that you're going to reach this point at this year, and if you make one decision, you're going to lose your family, and if you make another decision, your life could go this way. And even, it's such a fascinating thing that, de- what is destiny and where is it? Because even knowing yes. all that, he couldn't 
stop from making, you know, it was a really, it's such an interesting road. So I had sort of, I was sort of um, not able to get work and like was pushing as hard as I could. And I just hit some point where I remember everything just sort of was really difficult. And I thought, maybe I was supposed to be a doctor or an engineer and I should have never gone into film and I just got this far out of sheer tenacity, but maybe this isn't where, this wasn't in my stars, you know, this wasn't what I was supposed to be doing because how could it possibly be this like, like no messages were saying continue and I just kept continuing and so it was sort of this place where I thought, well, maybe I can go see this astrologer and see like, just have him read what it is and what am I doing the right thing with my life or should I just reverse course really quickly and enroll in some college somewhere <laughs> and so I, t I went and took that piece of paper that was written and I took it to this astrologer and I you know this was written I was born my mom called her mother like the the town where I was born and so this astrologer wrote this thing out never met me, never knew me, I've never, you know, didn't know anything, just time and date of birth and location. And it was stunning. This guy read it and he said, um, you know, so many personal incredible things, but one thing was, oh, there's something with storytelling, telling stories. If you're doing that, you're kind of in the right area. And I was like, really? And he was like, no, you could have been a doctor, but you didn't become a doctor. And then he said something in there and he went, oh, and in this year, you had a little boy. How's your boy? And I was like, and it was exactly right. Like, it just said everything that had happened up in my life till then. And it was it was very, like, surprising, but also just, oh, of course that's going to be true, because that's how my, my dad's chart was and my brother's and everything. But one time I went with my brother to get it read, and his was, his chart was like, oh, you're going to get success very early in life, and, you know, you're going to have the challenge of how the sex, not to let the success corrupt you, and, and then he'd read mine, and he'd be like, oh, you're going to have a very hard journey, and a very long journey, and, and I was just like, what is this going to, like, it was just like every, every easy path for him was, like, obstacles for me, but he said something, like, he said, um, I'm sorry if you are in, in storytelling, um, there's a very big planet blocking you, and nothing's going to happen for you until after the year um, 2012. And I was like, what? I've been <laughs> making a living. As a, I made a film. I did great. It went to festivals. You know, and he was like, oh, well, none of the, he was like, nothing in your chart was helping you with that. None of the, all of these planets were making it very difficult. If you got that far, it's only, it was based on sheer determination. And he said, but after 2012, 2013, something will lift and move out of the way, and then it will be a much easier road for you. And I was like, okay, I guess I have to hold on to freaking 2012, you know? And so, right. and it was amazing because 2012, nothing happened. And then 2013, right at the end, I met Jill Soloway. And I had been trying and trying and trying to break into television. And I couldn't get into TV because nobody would let me direct TV because I had never directed TV. And it was this catch-22 that yes. everyone faces. And Jill Soloway finally said, I'm making a show called Transparent, and I'm looking for an independent film director. I don't want somebody who's directed a bunch of TV episodes. So you sound like the perfect partner. And then uh, that, you know, became my first television experience, which obviously... Amazing. Um, I, I would love to have you back on Employee of the Month to hear, to hear absolutely more about your career. We didn't even get to talk about Cake with Lauren Graham. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but I, I'm so thrilled for you. I know that you will not have time to read books because you have an infant and have your career is just exploding right now. But um, you can at least hold up Men Explain Things to Me, just the cover um, of Rebecca Solnit, who's a phenomenal uh, writer's book in Moments of Despair. I brought you some babka as well from My People to Yours, um, as well as a notebook. 
book. And because you guys live, you've lived, every one of our guests has lived in New York and they are yes. receiving this extremely sexy Park Slope, uh, Park Slope co-op bag they don't they're unintentional sponsors of employee of the month um are they really yes i think i'm banned from there for missing too many shifts (laughs) this will be your revenge i would just like take that bag proudly instead of let him eat cake you can let him eat babka um I, I cannot articulate enough how proud I am of you and, and how much I enjoyed your film. So thank, thank you. you very, and very I much. really hope you do host a late night talk show. Nisha Sinatra, let's keep it going. So thrilled to be able to hear from Nisha. And without further ado, here is Ukarsh Ambudgar. Hey, that's me. You think we could change the beat to Feel Me Flow? Do you have that? Should I introduce him for people who might not know? Sorry, guys. If you haven't seen the Mindy Project, uh, Pitch Perfect, and Britney Runs a Marathon, which will be in Sundance, and you can actually see it tomorrow if you're around as well. Um, And I, of course, was saying that I know you from Freestyle Love Supreme, but I want to start a little bit younger. I've known you for, I've known Katie for so long. I'm such a huge fan of yours, and I'm so happy to be here, so... My Thank parents you. did not pay him a lot no. for that because they don't pay a lot in general, but I appreciate it. You have a that. history of saying inappropriate things to me at the wrong time, and That's I really true. appreciate it. Oh, good. It's, it's lovely. Um, uh, well, that is a perfect segue um, because I really do want to know if your parents are potentially adopting adult children because I have been listening to them. I've listened to them on your podcast, um, and I they're incredible. Can you talk a little bit about what it's like to have such exceptionally successful parents um they're doing my, uh, phenomenal work in, in science sure. and, and medicine yeah uh my parents that's suresh on the left and indu on the right wow that's a good picture they're phd biochemists and somehow they spit out a comedian and a rapper which they're <laughs> ecstatic about they weren't happy at first but i think now we've sort of Earn their trust. Employee of the month is a big step for me i'm so i'm so glad that i could be part of, of that but it is it is daunt- as someone who who grew up with with parents who are maybe not as successful as yours, but certainly invested in a certain type of work. That if you do a lot of work, at, if you if you're a good scientist, it will most likely pay off to a rewarding career. True. Whereas if you're a great rapper, it may or may not. And it hasn't. Um, <laughs> but you, the whole the whole thing is is uh, when we go into the arts, we go in without a safety net. There's no guarantee, right? And my parents moved here in 1980 to Baltimore, Maryland. They worked hard, very hard. My dad literally wrote himself out of a small city in India into the preeminent position in his field. My mom is what's called a section chief at the National Institutes of Health. She runs several different labs. She's a boss. They're both micromanagers to the highest degree. Um, and your dad they, does phenomenal cancer research, I also want yeah, to point out. Yeah, and my dad works in cancer research and my mother in dental research. And then I came out and I was like, uh, you know, I, I, I like Bone Thugs and Harmony and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, <laughs> and that's pretty much what I'm going to follow. And for them, they're like, cool, we moved across the world with $600 for this. Um, 
But my father, his passion is science, right? He didn't do it practically. He did it because he loves it. He lives it and breathes it. My mom showed up in a dean's office, and the dean was like, biochemistry's hot right now. That's what you're going to study. I, I imagine she would have been a journalist or somebody in front of a camera or entertaining. She's the life of any room she walks into. But I think my dad understood passion. So he said, if you have a dream, you can chase it. I mean, he did the same thing. And now they get swag from everywhere. My dad has a Mindy Project winter coat. He, <laughs> he goes to the Cheesecake Factory in Maryland. He gets free dessert. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a big needs. deal. I, I really want to encourage people to listen to your interviews, specifically with your parents. For any Im, uh, immigrants in the room or children of immigrants, my parents came here fully formed. My mom was 29, 30 years old. You know, she had a PhD. She had a job. She'd worked. She came here so... They moved to the to Baltimore City to the you know a not great neighborhood, yes. and um, and they didn't have to grow up sort of learning their identity as an other, right? But, and they also didn't seem as angry about no the affronts. And I thought that that was really wonderful no. to see how that an an yeah a, a generation. And I've learned a lot about giving space and letting go of that stuff from them. From just being like, look, we're here now, we're grown. The things that happened as a kid, like you know. They, they recognize that we went, we go through different things in this country, uh, especially now. You know, I'm not going to Ohio or Kansas without a white chaperone. It's not happening. <laughs> um, and they understand that. But, the, but it's also up to me to let go of some things and approach my life and my work and the people that I come into contact with every day with a little bit of love and grace and not from a place of like a cat in the corner who's going to get made fun of or called a name. By, by somebody else. And when I can operate from a place of, of lightness of being, yeah. which is something they've taught me, you know, I'm much happier and I would venture to say the people around me and my collaborators are as well. You know, it, it speaks through the work that I have an angry period where I was a battle rapper and yelled at people. And now I have a happy period where I get to chill at Sundance and wear f fuzzy boots and uh, yeah. work with Jillian Bell. So it's like, you know, it's a night and day. Well, and I also think it's, it is important to be able to call things out when you see them. And so I do applaud that you, you do that. I think it's a process of learning when to navigate using anger. True. Yeah. And you ha everything has to be done with love. Like we set boundaries. We teach people how to treat us. At, look, like Brittany runs a marathon. You guys haven't seen it, so I won't talk about it too much, but... I play, uh, as a South Asian man, a leading romantic role in this movie, which is revolutionary. It shouldn't be, but yes. it is. It's not um, an opportunity that I've been given before, right? It's, um, it's really different and very special for me to be seen, quite frankly, in a Hollywood setting as somebody with a sexuality. What happens with South Asian women is they're hypersexualized. Right. And then, like, Vin Diesel jumps off a cliff and grabs a brown lady and they go to Saint-Tropez. And yes. Indian, Indian men are sitting behind a computer telling Vin Diesel where in Saint-Tropez to go. Right. Um, and somehow the two, the South Asian woman and the South Asian man, shall never meet on screen, even though in life we made, like, a billion people in this motherfucker. Right. So where's, right. where's the point at which uh, reality starts to reflect, or art starts to reflect reflect reality and that's something that I try and champion and I don't have to now because we just saw Nisha today like as a, a strong brown woman sell well, I saw you this morning and I showered you with love and affection 13 million dollars is not a small amount of money girl F congratulations and just yeah. Yeah. for those people who don't know chutney popcorn right was yeah. seminal in the brown community when it came out we had like four movies we had ABCD 
American Desi, and we had your movie. And that's what we look to in the blockbuster video and all that stuff back when it existed. You are a trailblazer and a pioneer. And he, uh, truly. Yeah. And, um, and to hear Desiree, I don't know her speak, and uh, it's, it's incredible to be up here. I should have definitely gone first. There's, <laughs> this is like, I'm for sure an opening act in this situation. I'm <laughs> underqualified for what's happening right now. Um, um, on that note, I don't believe that. And I do want to show um, one of your, you, you've been in a, a ton of uh, television roles and, and filmers, but I, I really was so excited by blind spotting because Thanks. It, it was my first time seeing a role with a lot of depth and I really love seeing you in it. Thank you. So if we can show a clip from blind spotting, I'd be so, oh, that was uh, from Bas- Basmati Blues. Hey, buddies. Uh, um, hey. This is from Blind Spotting, which um, was at Sundance uh, 2018. Yeah, last year. Friday. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. I got her number. That's just the office number. Oh, no. I mean, she lives here. Yo, uh, excuse me, bro. Did you used to work the door at the alley? Yeah. That was like a minute yeah, ago. Yeah, you did. Oh, shit, bro. This is that motherfucker with the scorpion bowl at the alley that I told you about. What, what dude with the scorpion bowl? I never told you about the scorpion king? This is him. We really don't have to do this right now. Yeah, we do. Okay, 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 okay. You know the alley, right? Yeah, over on Yeah, it's an institution. Yeah. Oh, my God. This story is so fucking dope. Night is cracking. I'm looking fly. When this Colorado white boy saunters up to the bar, he's like, Sup, bro? Give me one of those. And he orders the scorpion bowl. This thing is like a giant swimming pool of fucking booze with a flame in the middle. It's like a white person's wet dream. This dude sees a scorpion bowl and, like, he grows hair on his chest. Like, his balls drop. The motherfucker hits puberty right there in that moment. His mind is blown. This nigga right here, uh, excuse me, this, this gentleman. Let me say that with me. Yeah, my bad. I was out of my mind right then. This dude right here is just standing outside working the door, looking hella fresh, might I add. There's this white boy on the stool, and he's like hella hard, you know what I'm saying? He got tatted up. He's looking grizzled. Now, I'm smoking a cigarette. I'm going to quit. I'm going to fucking quit. I know, all right? Just leave me alone. I'm so sorry. He keeps interrupting me. So anyway, Jason Biggs busts through the door, and he's like, guys, 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 look at this fucking fire drink. It's fucking insane. But then my dude steps up, and he's like, hey, bruh, you can't bring alcohol out here. You got to take that back and saw. Motherfucking Topher Grace responds, calm down. I'm just going to show my friends for like two seconds, then I'm going to go back inside, okay? And if I don't, and you lose your job, I'll get you a new job, dog. Yeah. What? Right? Now, shit gets bad. Now it gets bad? Because you a bad man. <laughs> yeah, it goes You're, on and it, on and on and on. It's, well, because you have a real role and have a lot of depth in that Thank role. Thank you. I wanted to talk a little bit about your experience working with um, David Diggs and Rafael Casal. Sure. You, I, I know a lot of comedians because it's in comedy. I know it's an amazing correlation. But I didn't know a lot of rappers, so I wanted to hear a little bit about how you... Um, yeah. Got to know those guys. Shortest version of the story is I'm in this group where we have shows in New York now for anyone who's in, in New York called it's, Freestyle Love Supreme. 
Uh, it's myself, um, Anthony Viniziali, Christopher Jackson, James Renault, Igohart, Lynn Manuel Miranda, um, Shockwave, Chris Sullivan, Bill Sherman, all these people. And uh, we Arthur all Lewis. have been Arthur Lewis, yeah. We've been <laughs> rapping together, Jelly Donut. We've been rapping together for um, 10, 15 years. And it's a freestyle improvised rap show. And David was folded into that group. So I've known David for about a decade. And Rafa and Diggs go together like Calvin and Hobbes, night and day. Uh, uh, they are a team. And Rafa is a phenomenal poet, um, rapper, writer, actor at all. Um, and he's living with me now. We're roommates, which oh, really? is very cool. In bunk beds? It's very productive. I'll be like, Rafa, let's make a song. And he'll be like, no, I don't feel like it. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much how every night goes. And then I play Fortnite by myself. Um, but uh, I... Found out they were doing a movie. I was in Vancouver shooting a movie called Game Over, man. And I hit up Rafa and I was like, what the fuck, man? You're doing a movie? And he was like, indeed we are. I was like, well, send me the script. What's good? He sent me the script and I was like, I don't think I can do anything in this. <laughs> but wow. there's this monologue in the middle of the movie. If timing works, I'm going to rap in Vancouver. The next day I can be in San Francisco and I can shoot if it doesn't rain in Vancouver. And he said, all right, let's pray that it doesn't rain. It didn't rain. I got to San Francisco. I showed up. I memorized this three-page monologue. And then Rafa was basically like, cool, do whatever you want. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? For real? And he was like, yeah, just do whatever you want. So that whole scene is actually 90, 85% improvised. They gave me oh, wow. the mic and basically let me run with it. And then all the stuff that we shot later, that reenacting stuff, um, was... Uh, we acted around the improv. The coolest story is, and I know we're running out of time, no, is on. that there's a point where I say that Diggs looks like Crazy Bone. And then a Crazy Bone song starts to play, and that's when this real beatdown happens. And, dude, not only, first of all, they got Crazy Bone to record a brand new verse because they had to license this song, and then they let me rap on that verse. So I have a song with Crazy Bone, which will never be released, but it... It happened. It's a bucket list thing. It's me featuring Ah Bone Thug in Harmony, which is incredible. And if nothing else, that's what that movie gave me, amongst many other things. I also just love that your relationship, I mean, you know, sometimes people when they're breaking in are like, you know, how can I get in? And I think if like their agent or manager, if they had an agent or manager, that, that would be the answer for no, a long-term career. No, we just career. make our own, any, all of us would agree, we just make our own stuff. You too. I know. And I also wanted to say how impressed I was with you know, I know you were going to be in Hamilton and then you weren't in Hamilton. Right. And to watch how your guys' relationships, you were going to be the original Aaron Burr and you weren't. And then you ended up pitching a show about being this person who um, yeah. isn't in Hamilton. And I cannot articulate how comforting it has been to both hear about how that pain is. Because when you're making decisions in real time, it's not clean cut. And then to watch how you all have, your relationships have remained, if not grown, yeah, um, it's been pretty incredible to to um, well, that's see what, from the outside. Yeah, well, that's what family is. I'm Lynn and our family. You know, Tommy, who directed Hamilton, he's family. Like David and is my, we. You know, we we're not like, hey, uh, come to my premiere. We're like, hey, can you take care of my dog? Like, right. we're family. I'm so happy you were here because the rest of Freestyle of Supreme are already in rehearsal. So I was really yeah. thrilled that you could come, and I would love it if you could give the taste of the live show. Sure, sure. I definitely um, can. By the way, if you guys don't know who Jay Period is, this is a legend right yes. here. He's Grammy yeah. award-winning, rocks with the roots, Black Thought, Hamilton mixtape. Dude, you, my guy, bang, bang. This dude is incredible. I uh, just wanted to give him his props yeah. before we do our thing.
I'm gonna rap. Is that cool? All right. Can we get a little bit more of applause from everyone? I'm, I'm gonna just. I'm gonna sit. Yeah. Okay. Uh. So what you what you what you want? Name is UTK. Get employee of the month. And I apologize, Lisa. I was late, but I got here, Phoenicia. Okay, I'm a showstopper. Everyone give it up for Miss Ganatra. $13 million for Mindy's movie. My God, she's not losing. Okay, we a leader, not a follower. She went to visit that Vedic astrologer. J period on the beat that I'm rocking on. I give it up for Desiree Akavan, yeah. She got a show called Bisexual. Everybody gotta see it. Okay, that shot was shot in the UK, but I was like, you're peeling that orange the wrong way. Why did you peel it right? But anyway, I'm kicking it up on the mic. I'm rocking on and on. Britney runs a marathon. Here's the movie that I'm going to, so here's a plug for you. One, two, three, four is me. I'm the one who shouldn't be here, you see. Three powerful women and a little testosterone. My name is UTK, rocking up on the microphone. I let it go, give it up for KZ Lazarus. We do it all day long, and guess an actress. And you've been through so much. Everything that you've done, it just touches every inch of me. Wait a minute, I simply went off into the wrong, wrong vicinity. But anyway, we kick it from now until infinity. That's it for me, J. Period. Thank you, brother. Peace. shows coming and I want to just give a couple gifts to Ukars before we go. Bobka for my people to yours as well as um, a gift for Disco, your dog. Um, and I hope you like this book. I don't know if you have a Can't Stop, Won't Stop about the um, history of hip hop. I hope you like it. I adore you. Thank you. Thank you all for coming to Employee of the Month. I'm Katie Lazarus. I really want to thank Utkarsh. I think he made the show even more sweet. I was so thrilled to have him there, particularly because my intern and my intern's intern were not there because they were already rehearsing with Freestyle Love Supreme, which Utkarsh flew to New York to start rehearsing for as well. So please go check out Freestyle Love Supreme. You can also check out the films Late Night and Britney Runs a Marathon because they will be coming out soon. And I want to thank all of my guests, Nisha Ganatra, Desiree Akavan, Lisa Crone, and DJJ Period, as well as the Harness Foundation, Ross and Daughters. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone, you can get them. You can go on the website. They ship. It's worth it. My hips, courtesy of Ross and Daughters. Thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Katie Lazarus. Have a good one.